to hear from an amazing man this morning. Colin's going to come. Give him a hand as he comes. Colin oversees the service coordinating department in the church, so he makes sure that the air temperature's good, that the light's good, all the things you wouldn't think about, the chairs. Colin works behind the scenes, and he's such a servant heart and a faithful man who, who just has a heart to serve people, but he also has a passion for the Word. And I know that this morning as he talks over the Word, he's going to have some great keys for us, um, just to equip us for life. So who's excited? Here he comes. Here's trouble. <laughs> Hopefully I'm on. Oh, yep, yeah, maybe a bit loud. I just had to get the uh, thing set up. But talking about conference, I just wanted to start actually by, I was thinking just the other day about a time when I went to a conference in Sydney years ago now, that um, it was a, up at uh, Thornley, Penn Hills Way, and I only went for the, night the day times because I lived nearby. And I went home the f one night and I just felt this overpowering as I was laying in bed. I can't remember much about the conference, but I can remember this. And I said to the Lord, no, no. And then, and God's good. He honoured no. And the next night, I... Um, was, came back from the conference and I was laying in bed and the same overpowering came again and I said, okay, God. And then I spoke in tongues and I think I spoke for somewhere in the order of two hours and mum didn't know what was going on. She wanted me to go to sleep because I had uni the next day. So if you get the opportunity to go to the conference, do that because God can do some great things out of conferences. All right, I've got a new toy. <laughs> you like that, do you? Okay, I'm a guy and I like to see things. I like them laid out. I like them visually. And so I've used, I'm using PowerPoint today. I may have to read it more than my notes, actually, but never mind. Um, but I also use a mind map. Has anyone seen my maps? Yeah, well, you'll see a mind map later on today. But I like to present it visually. You know, you've got to have effects. Now, that, that is the fanciest effect for the day, okay? <laughs> All right, that's it. Because I don't want to distract you with effects. But have you ever thought, have you seen this symbol? Who advertises that if you work for them, you'll get impaled on a shovel. <laughs> I, I think that's really sad, you know. <laughs> Anyone want to go do that job? <laughs> All right, I'm going to ask you a question now. Do I have your permission to give you some personally challenging scriptures and principles for your life? Yeah? yeah? yeah. Who says no? She's a naughty one. She will miss out. <laughs> the others of you, be aware, be warned. I'm going to go through quite a few scriptures today. I'm going to read parts of them and just pull out parts. All I'm looking for you is to find just one thing today to take with you. All right? 
A couple of what I refer to as housekeeping. There are a couple of counselling principles that I learnt when I was at C3 Oxford Falls. One is that when a, a counsellor is helping someone, they can only deal with the problem that person has. They can't deal with a problem that the person they're having a problem with has. So they can only deal with a problem that that, that person has. And the other thing is that they can, the person can only fix that problem if they own it. If a person doesn't own it. Now, what's that say to me today? One, that... There's my fancy thing. Um, I have to look at the problems I have. Right? I have to deal with my own problems and I have to realise what they are and then I have to own them to find an answer. <coughs> the scripture says that if you are bringing a gift and you have a problem with another person, that you go and deal with that with that person. That doesn't mean you go off and talk to somebody else about the problem you have with that person, unless it's a counsellor and you get some advice, but you go and deal with it. Ron and I had an issue, didn't we, Ron? And we had a real Barney. We'll, we're fine now because we, we got together. <laughs> we got together and we talked it out. And I can see, I know the value in Ron and Ron sees the value in me. Ron's value is more than mine. <laughs> but with all this, it's too easy to be critical of other people and find scriptures that apply to somebody else. So today we are going to f find scriptures that apply to ourselves and apply them in the fact that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay, where's that from? Philippians 4.13. Or putting it another way, with the help of God, it, with the help of God, it is totally achievable. Oh, that's colonisation, yeah, 624. I just got to check the reference, but, you know, it's somewhere in there. But with the help of God, whatever I'm doing is fully achievable. All right, there is nothing that God takes me through that I can't go on with. So, with the colonisation, should I say that we're going to have a colonoscopy as we look into this? <laughs> Oh, that's bad. <laughs> Over the past, I don't know, a year or so, the Lord's had me in the Lord's Prayer. Do you know the Lord's Prayer? Who knows the Lord's Prayer? Who can say it? Okay, let's start the Lord's Prayer. Our Father... Slow down. Too far, too far, too far, too far. We can't get that far. We're only going to get to our Father. We're not even going to get that far because somebody said to keep it simple, stupid. I mean, the KISS principle, keep it simple, didn't it? I'm going to break that down. There's our and there's Father. If I go on to Father, I would be talking today about sonship, being heirs, children of the kingdom, the inheritance we have with him, but we're not going to touch that one today. We're going to talk about our. Now, Paul uses two pictures to describe 
the body of Christ, the church in the New Testament. One is the body of Christ and the other one he refers to them as the family. Okay, the body is how we function together, what we do, that we have functioned together and there's no one that's not um, worth having in the body. But family is the psychology of how we do the body of Christ. Okay, it's the motives that we have. So we're going to come on to family, community. Actually today, what I've done is I titled the sermon La Familia. Latin for the family or Italian for the family or I like it is being familiar or putting it slightly differently, the culture of togetherness. Now, Steve Graham, wasn't it the other day, talking about the culture in the church? And culture is something you do on a continuous basis. Not something you say you're going to do, but something you are doing on a continuous basis. So it's basically what we call habits, I think, is another way of putting it. And I remembered that some years ago, my father was saying that he wanted to list all the one another's that are in the New Testament. And I couldn't understand why. I did the other week, about two weeks ago. This is the Lord's timing. I pulled out, I, I went through and sorted out Dad's bookshelves. They're this big. I have in excess of 50 Bibles sitting in the boxes on the top. And it's full of stuff. Dad was an avid reader. And I came up with a book called Building Up One Another, which we'll look at some of that in a little bit. But I looked at the one another's and listed them out because I got the program to do it, list out the one another's. And the Greek word that's often translated as one another is alalon. It's actually to reduplicate or a reciprocal process. It's two ways. I can't go to somebody and tell them something without them having the same right to come back into my life, right? Sometimes we often want to wait for somebody else to start this process, but that's not a good idea. Sometimes it's just being better to be the first person. It comes out of interaction, and as a friend that put it, uh, few weeks ago, that it's all about relationship, relating to one another, relating to God, relating to man. Now, I broke this down into three categories, the one another's. There is the category of love one another's, there's the category of building up one another's, and then there's the category of that pull down one another's. Those I call the do's, those I call the don'ts. <coughs> to put it, to show you slightly more, there's my mind map. All right? There's your do's, there's your don'ts, there's your love, there's your father, or there is my mind map. Okay. 
There is the love one another's. There is the don'ts. And there is the do's. It really impressed upon me how much we have to interact. Just the sheer volume of them. So first of all, I'm going to hear Love 101. This is just the introduction. I haven't got into the body of it yet. But this is a quick rundown of the love one another's. First of all, love has three Greek words that I know of. And I don't know the, the Greek word for the romantic love between a couple, okay? But the physical love, the physical attraction is eros. Have you ever noticed that a good-looking girl walks in and the guy's t head's turn? That's phenylethylamine. <laughs> Seriously, there's a chemical in the brain that travels 10 times faster than thought called phenylethylamine, and that's what ticks kicks it all off. That's the physical side of it. But we're going to be looking at things that is the, the philia, the family love, the love for the family, mother to children, you know, siblings to parents, that family relationship, and the agape love, which is the love between God and man, and man and God. It is a sacrificial love, it is love where Ideally, where love doesn't exist, you still love. Where it goes to the extent where you do as much as you can, then you do some more. All right. The whole law is fulfilled in just one word. Love your neighbour as yourself. Earnestly from a pure heart. To love from earnestly from a pure heart. To love in, with brotherly affection. Actually, that one is Philadelphia. You heard of the place, Philadelphia? That's where it comes from. Adelphi means brotherly or of the same womb, and phila is for love. We are commanded to love one another. By this, others will know that we are his disciples. We are to put on love as a clothing, to wear it, as so it is the outside thing. We are taught by God to love. We are, if we love God, love is from God, and those who love are born of God. Love increasing. Is our love increasing? Love your neighbour as yourself. Love, if love abides in us, we, God abides in us. And love deeply, for it covers a multitude of things, sins, things, sins. One thing about love is that love is not a feeling. It is a decision. <coughs> love is actually the one, the greatest of these, is the greatest of all things that we're going to talk about, is love. It transcends all else. I was thinking of times when I, in my life, that I actually had to make a very definite decision. I remember one time I had a business in um, Sydney and I was in and I just did not want to be there. I was in a foul mood and it was my canoe shop and it depended on me to make the sales when people rang up. And I was, just didn't want to go in. It was a Saturday morning 
and I was really not good. And then the telephone rang. And at that point, I made the decision that my mood was not going to affect my business. It was the most definite decision I made, and I answered the phone, good morning, Beeline Canoes, how can I help you? And the person said, oh, that was a very pleasant greeting. But it was a decision I had to make in my life that changed my approach to things. And as I've said, love is the most important. And all these one another's that we're going to look at are the outworking of love. The best description I've heard came from a TV series that I've been watching, a sci-fi one, for those of you know me, know that I like sci-fi. And it was these two leader people were getting interested in each other and they were serious about each other but they were being kept apart because of it. And he had to go off to a situation that she knew what it was going to be like. And she, but she didn't tell him because of certain circumstances. And he comes back after this situation, near-death experiences, two or three episodes later, which is obviously significant in TV series uh, jargon. <laughs> And she comes in to meet him for the first time and she asks his forgiveness to, from him. And he says to her very simply, how can I love so much and not forgive? I thought, that is powerful. That is a description of God. How can I love so much and not forgive? Sometimes I think we should concentrate on love rather than the forgiveness because... I think we find it hard to forgive because we don't love enough. All right, very quickly, I want to look at the pulling down ones. I'm going to read them out. I just want you to listen and think. <coughs> There's only 11 of them. Do not be haughty or high or proud. Do not be wise in your own sight. Do not pass judgment on one another. Do not put down, put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Don't bite, devour, or devour one another, lest you are consumed by one another. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. See that no one repays evil for evil. Do not hate one another. Do not lie to one another. Do not speak evil against one another and do not grumble against one another. My question here is, does our behaviour and our speech honour those we're talking to and God? And when you come to those situations, because we all come to them, we're, we're wound up. Just remember Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Sometimes it's just not so easy, and you have to go back and ask forgiveness for the way you presented it. There is many reasons to go and ask forgiveness. If you're only asking forgiveness because you're wrong, you're wrong for asking forgiveness. If you're asking forgiveness because of the attitudes that have brought that situation about, then 
you're starting to touch on areas that are relational. I mean, yes, you do have to ask forgiveness because you were wrong, but there's much more behind it. And I found that in my life. Now, the building up one another's. There's 30 odd of them, and I'm going to read them through, and I want you to think and listen and take note of any that are your strengths. Pick out one that's your strength and one that's your weakness, one that you have to work on. Now, remembering the building up is the, comes out of the fruit of love. These are not giftings. The one and others are not my gifting. This is the character of God that's to be in my life. I actually believe that if we look through these and see how they are working in our own natural families, our natural families will work a lot better. Okay, reading them through. We are one body. We are members of one another. We are to show brotherly affection to one another. We are to honour one another. We are to live in harmony with one another. We are to welcome one another. We are to instruct one another. We are to greet one another. Serve one another. Bear burdens. Bear one another's burdens and bear with one another. In all humility, gentleness and patience. We are to submit to one another. We are to encourage one another to fellowship with one another. That's commingling, not just being in the same room, but getting to know each other. We're not neglecting meeting together. We show humility towards one another. We are to wait for one another. Show hospitality towards one another. Care for one another. Always do good to one another. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace with one another forgiving one another, being kind to one another, building up one another, exhorting one another, stirring up one another. I'm good at that. Um, <coughs> teaching and admonishing one another. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. One that's challenged me, I don't know which ones have challenged you, but one that's challenged me is hospitality. I was never in a hospitable household. We never had lots of people over. I had cousins living up the road and they never had people coming into it. So I was never in that place of hospitality, but I've also made a decision that I'm going to invite people over. If you come over, you may get a good meal, you may not get a good meal. You may get tin soup, but is it all about the meal or is it all about the getting to know each other? All right? And it's been one of those decisions in my life. If you come over, you'll get to know more about how bad my cooking can be. Sometimes it's all right. <laughs> yep, poor Marion. <laughs> now, the gentleman that wrote this book is called Gene Getz. It's been reprinted again. It's a 1960 book, but it's in Kurong for $14 or something like that. And it's called Building Up One Another. And he broke them down into 12 different chapters. We are only going to touch the first chapter now. 
getting into the others would just be too much. And the first chapter is, we are members of one another. Let me get that drink. So though there are many, uh, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. Another scripture is, therefore having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with their neighbour, for we are members of one another. And Jean gets, goes on and says, what's our focus? A lot of times, and he's says he's taught, find your gifting. Know what your gifting is in the church and get into that. But he says, there's no scripture that says to find your gifting. He was only talking to people who knew the gifting. He said it was actually the wrong focus. So what does the, the church, that the Bible teach us about being members of one another? No individual can function effectively on their own. But you actually have to be part of a body to be functioning co correctly. Every member is important. Every member is important. E.G. Rahab, G.G.G.M. of K.D., who, knows, who doesn't know Rahab? Who doesn't know Jericho and the falling down of the walls of Jericho and the spies going into the land of Jericho? They went in and the only person that would look after them, of course, because they're around side and it was a siege situation, was this lady by the name of Je Rahab. She was a prostitute. She looked after them and when they came out, they said, tie a cloth in your window. And when we come back, whoever's in that room, they live. Everybody else in Jericho got wiped out. And she became the great, great grandmother of King David. Everybody is important. God has no consideration of ranking and status. And every member has their role. Did you know this thing can do this? You watch, you put a, a circle around that and you go, tunk. Ah, spelling correction. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> Everyone has a role. <laughs> now you won't forget that point, will you? By the way, just looking at that, a point I did miss, and Sarah was talking about it earlier, about false humility, that every member is important. Our ego can get in the way of seeing that. And it can get in the way in two ways. Either we puff up or we say, I'm not important, it is still ego. But what's the role? Every individual counts. I'm not sure how. 
I was thinking the other day, what's the role of my sister, Marion, in the house? And I realized that the great family that dad and mum have raised is in a big part because we have Marion in the household. Because we relate differently because we have Marion in the household. Every member has a role. There are no roles that are not important. Even if yours right now is just being here, people have to relate differently because you are in this place. There is no part of the body that we would want to cut off. You want to cut off an ear, a nose, a hand, an eye? So every poor person is important. And no member is more important than another. <coughs> Excuse me. Paul says, and I'm going to summarize here, do not think of himself, a person more highly than he ought, but the measure is our faith in God. And the greater your measure, you measure your faith in God, the realize the less you are worth before God and the more you want to know more about God. It's a catch-22 situation. And to walk in a manner worthy of this calling in humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. Right? So everyone has equal importance. And the Christians should work hard at um, creating unity. The word creating is an interesting part. The interesting thing about all this is that none of this happens automatically. We don't want to be involved so much. Us guys, particularly, we prefer to go to the garden shed than have lots of people around. You know what I mean? We like those structures, but none of these things will happen automatically. And there's a, 1 Corinthians in, exhorting the people to be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Right, so next comes the practical side. The how-tos. Gene Getz's book, every chapter has how-tos on how to get things working. He found that it was the best way when he started focusing on this in the church he started in Dallas, he found things grew in a fantastic way. <coughs> the aim is to become a more functioning member of the body. That is the aim. It's not to become the functioning member, but to grow in it. Step one. Believers can only function practically and minister to each other in close relationship. I found years ago that I shared a house and I worked at night, they, were, they went to uni during the day, so we didn't have much crossover time. And if there was any tension, mess left around, etc., it caused tension. And I found the best way to sort out those sort of things was just to talk to them and see how they were. 
how is uni going, how are you going, things, a lot of things just sorted out just because it was in relationship. I am a vital part of the one and others and so are you. And I want to read this from Gene Getz, it's a quote from him. The only possible way for body, for body function to be effective, meaningful and dynamic is in the context of local bodies of believers who know each other well and who are able on the basis of that knowledge to minister to each other. Step two. As I said, it doesn't happen automatically and there must be a degree of spiritual maturity. One question somebody said once was, when they had meetings at Scripture Union actually, the question was, if somebody brought up an issue, an item or something, you asked, so what? And if you couldn't answer the so what, why it was important, then it wasn't important enough. And they let it go. And sometimes we ask, need to ask about the issues we bring up. So what? Is it going to benefit, you know? Is it going to be the thing that solves the problems or is it going to just, is it something that we need to just let go? I like this one. Joint, from him, Christ, the whole body, joint and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I love that. It grows and builds itself up in love. Outside influences don't build us up. It builds itself up in love. And so this has made quite a big impact in my life. How do I impact this into other people's lives? <coughs> And there is one body and one spirit. So we need to work to making this happen. Step number three that Gene Getz says is emphasize, emphasize becoming spiritually mature. Becoming. We don't have to be there. We need to just take another step in that growing and relating to each other and building up one another. And step four, he talks to leaders. Now, if you're doing anything in the church, crash, shine, serving tea, you're leading somebody just by being involved. So I think there's a fair number here that, and I think it applies to everybody. Am I doing all I can to help other believers become mature? The whole thing takes action, doesn't it? Am I looking for as many opportunities as possible to encourage other mature Christians to participate. Do I realise that God can use other members of the body of Christ? That they are important. And finally, do I have a subtle sense of pride? I realised the other day that if I've got pride over something, then that is my reward. I've done something for the Lord and that is my reward if I take pride in it. 
I can be pleased that I've done it, but false pride that builds you up, that, you know, you say, oh, you know, I've done a good job there, didn't I, Lord? Yeah. That is the reward. The Lord's got nothing to give you because you're not being that humble. And finally, let's accentuate our strengths. Work at eliminating our weaknesses. If there's something that's difficult in those lists that you saw today, take it and plan to work on it to make it no longer a weakness but a strength. Hospitable, honouring one another, be humble with one another, gentle with one another, whatever it is. And a note there, to start, select one person you can go to help become a more functioning member of the body of Christ. As I said, I've been very impacted on this one. This is only chapter one. I'm not going to go on to any more. I think there's enough in that today to think about. When I was preparing it, I actually, because I've got two more chapters that I've got outlines for that we could have gone into, but I just got to this point and the Lord just said, that's it, stop. So I want us to consider what are we going to take today to put into action to make it a functioning body of Christ. Take somebody home for lunch. May only be toast. But better than tin soup, hey Josh. Yeah. <coughs> better than the soup I make. I don't make any. So in final finally Remember that a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. How do we respond to people? How are we giving things? And the Lord's servants must, be not, must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. As we come around singing again I want us to seriously ask ourselves the question what can I do to help other people because I really believe that if we can get a grasp of this in this place make it a culture where we're building up everybody we're interacting we're doing things that actually to encourage and build up then when people come in, they will see something that they haven't seen around the place. They'll see us clothed in love, just working and walking together. It doesn't mean we don't have to deal with issues. Ron and I did. But we did it out of love. We did it out of compassion towards each other. It didn't start with compassion, believe you me. It started with passion, didn't it? (laughs) So let us just take these things on board and see what we can do to take the next step in our own Christian maturity to be able to take this place to something better. Thanks. There we go. We just had to transition from Colin to myself. Colin's been preparing that for months, if you couldn't tell. Like, let's just give him another hand. That was so awesome. Thank you for putting so much time and energy, Colin, into building into us 
And it's so much wisdom in there, so much food for thought. Let's go home and chew on that. And it's so true, isn't it? It takes a mature person, if there's an issue, just to go and talk to the other. But how simply can things just be resolved as we go and talk to one another? And Colin, I don't think cooking's that bad. I remember when we had one of our kids, you know, when we have babies, often like other mothers cook for you and just to bless you. I think Colin went on the meal roster and he dropped us in like a cheesy pasta. Our kids really liked it, so you're not all that bad. Anyway, let's stand. (laughs) And it links in with what Morrison was saying, you know, about the Last Supper, that Jesus' last act was to sit down and have a meal with his disciples and how significant is community to share with one another, to help one another, to build one another up. I think we're going to finish with praise and just um, thank God for everything that's 